Welcome back to the Peony. I'm your host, Julia, joined by my co-host, Lex. Hello, everybody. Um, Welcome to part two of what will actually be three-part series of holiday lore, because we realize that ours is too Christian, and we got to bring more people of the world in and learn what their holidays are, what their lore is, what their traditions are, because that is what the Peony is all about. But before we get into that, how are you feeling today, Alex? You feeling good? I am feeling good. Um, I had a very specific reason why I was feeling good earlier, and I forgot it. Uh, <laughs> I remember it. I remember the last episode when I was like, what are you feeling good about? And you were like, I'm not prepared. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no idea. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good today. Um there was a reason why and then I forgot but you know it's, well it matters that you're feeling good that's yeah. that's what matters yeah. how, are, how are you feeling Julia I'm feeling good today Sundays are one of my favorite days although around this time we're recording it's like late afternoon I am getting a little bit of the Sunday scaries but it's part of just days still existing in my mind because they don't in the real world I don't know. I'm holding on to some semblance of... Anyway, I'm feeling good today. And why? Because I had the quintessential Sunday experience. So I am like big for self-care and like finding out what self-care is to you and then making a purposeful attempt or effort to make time for that ritual. And so for me, there's nothing like waking up on a Sunday, like not talking to anyone, not having anyone talk to me, like getting a nice big cup of coffee, a pastry of some kind, getting the New York Times Sunday edition delivered. Mm. And then I just like sit with my coffee and I read the paper and I just like take it all in. And it's just like this ritual of like silence and like just... Basically, yeah. I'm a, I'm an old I'm an old woman. <laughs> I'm an old I, woman. I mean, you're you're in good company. Uh, <laughs> I used to do a full. I used to do a full like afternoon tea, t- like British tea time. Oh, after <laughs> when I finished college and then moved back home because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life for a few months mm-hmm. before I got an actual job as an adult. But I would have like four p.m. tea time every day. And it was just by myself in the kitchen of my family's home, like with a full tea set and like the paper. Oh, that sounds heavenly. I, uh, it sounds pretentious now that I'm saying it out loud. Well, you know, I think we all go through that in our early twenties where you're just yeah. like, yeah, this is quaint. And you're like, oh, yeah, is it? you kind of seem like a, a yeah. little bit of a douchebag, but yeah. okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So I had that happen today and, or I made time, purposefully made time for that, which I honestly, like when I roll out of bed, the worst thing you can do is talk to me. Like that's the worst thing that you can do. I need silence. I need, I am not one of those people that jumps out of bed and is ready to go. Like, I know people that are like that. I am not like that. I need to like, like 
I need to just be eased into the day. I have this visual, I don't know why, of like one of those inflatable rafts being slowly slid <laughs> into a body of water. Like that's how I need to, I can't jump into the river. I need to be a huge inflatable raft that's just gently nudged offshore. Yeah, you're not like doing a full cliff dive. You're just slowly no, creeping I wouldn't into do water. A, I wouldn't do a cliff dive into a body of water. I had the opportunity when I was in where was I? Bermuda to jump off a cliff into the water and I chickened out and I cried. Oh, so no, I'm not doing that theoretically or literally. (laughs) I, we can't all be brave. Well, also I think like, I always think of like when I wake up in the morning, like when you are warming up your car on like a really cold day, like I, just let me let let me warm up my bones yep. like let me move about the house a little bit yep. well okay trying to figure it's, out what reality i'm in it's funny you bring that up because i agree with you completely and you know how now with a lot of the new technology you mm-hmm. can remotely start your car in the morning if you have a newer car and just have it warm up while you're getting ready in your house. Like some cars have this feature. Yeah. I have that feature for my mornings, my my weekday mornings when I have a, a day job that I have to get to and I do not want to wake up and log online at 7 a.m. from like all of the emails that await me. So no. what <laughs> what my boyfriend Garrett has started doing is he will, he gets up before me all the time. He'll get up and go to shower. What he'll do is he'll shut the window because I don't like the cold and he does. And that's a point of contention. Um, he'll shut the window. He'll open the door, turn on the heat and leave the hallway light on. So that that way, like I'm still a little bit cocooned, Uh but the, the room warms up and there's like a dim sort of like cast off of light so that I can be stirred from my slumber instead of just like my annoying iPhone, like. Yep. That jarring. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I don't understand how people still have that. Like I I, know that there are other sounds you can use to wake you up. Like I don't punish yourself. You're already having to wake up to an alarm. Like don't do it. I have have a question for you. Recently it was brought to my attention that there are two types of people in the world. Uh-huh. There are those people that'll max out at two alarms, and there are people that will set an alarm for 15-minute intervals for an hour and a half. Which <laughs> camp do you fall into? Um, I I feel like I, I max out at probably three alarms. Like if huh. it Okay, so the way that I do it now is I use my alarm on my phone, like standard thing. I don't yep. use the. Bah, 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 no, we're bah. we're not doing that. Like, do, 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 do. yes, I do like the <laughs> gentle chimes or whatever. Uh, but there's another app that I use. Uh, this is not a sponsored ad. Um, but if they want to pay us to sponsor them, they should. <laughs> I think it's called Sleep Cycle, and it's not. I use that yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. So we'll use that. And then I use the setting where it like senses how much movement you have. Like you tell it, like, I need to wake up before eight 30. So it's like, cool. I'm going to go off at some point between eight and eight 30. Yeah. So in theory is supposed to gently wake you up. I will say I'm still like annoyed, (laughs) but I'll use that. And then usually by like about 
like on the weekdays, usually I would yeah. say by about seven thirty, my cat comes in and is like, "Excuse me, woman, it's time for you to oh, feed okay. me." So okay. I just have yep. like yeah phone, and then the cat, and so between all yeah. of that, I'm like, okay, I have to. Well, you have you have one factor that like other people don't which is you have a cat and I feel like Mm -hmm. cats if you don't give them what you want they might murder you so do you live do you live in constant fear in the morning that if you don't get out of bed (laughs) and give your cat breakfast that that Taylor will just like slice your throat not just like not like in the cartoons where the cat just like flicks out one one talon you know what I'm talking about? How like the retract oh, yeah. the talons are like retractable and stuff. And like yes. in the cartoons, it was so there's like just the not, one. Not with him, because he's like he's a cuddle bug. And that's yeah. kind of more what will happen. He's a cuddle bug. He's also like he's a little pudge. So okay. he is 17 will pounds. Suffocate you instead yeah. of slicing your throat. Exactly. But don't like, say but don't pretend like it's on accident. You know, yeah, he's going to, like, lay across your throat and, like, just slowly <laughs> suffocate. Watch the life drain from uh-huh. your eyes. He's, so that's, like, that's his method is, like, okay, mom, you're not going to wake up. I'm going to sit right on the center of your chest, crush your sternum. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so he's more that type. Uh, the other cat in our apartment, uh, my roommate's cat, she's the one that, like, sometimes I'll wake up and she's just staring at me mm-hmm. and I'm, it terrifies me every time mm-hmm. I'm like oh my god it this is this is like this is the end okay I have to I'm gonna oh man I'm like wondering if I should bring up this theory because I it's depressing do we oh. want to talk about it or do we want to move on to lore well see now you've piqued my interest <laughs> okay so, so what if like just like in all of those movies that we were fed as a child to brainwash us by the Disney corporation. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> what, like, you know how animals would talk amongst, or like toy story, like animals or inanimate objects would talk amongst themselves, but like we never understood yeah. their language as humans. Yeah. And so it's like, what if Taylor and this other cat, whose name I forget. Haley. Haley. That's right. Haley. What if, Taylor and Haley are like buddies and Taylor is like, I've been around the block kid. Like I've seen some shit, like stick with me. And so Haley holds Taylor in such high regard. Like he's an elder, right? And he is an older cat. Yeah. And so what if the only, what if she hates you and she wants to murder you, but the only thing that's stopping her is that Taylor is still alive and she respects him too, too much to like, to like break that trust of breaking the human that he loves. <laughs> that might be part of it. Um, and when he say, passes because he is an older cat. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think the only saving grace that I have with Haley is that I'm the one who feeds them in the morning and at night. Okay. So like she knows that I'm the one who provides the food and that's really all she uses me for. Like, okay. And sometimes like I go to bed before my other roommates. So I'll go to bed early. And for her, it's like, it's bedtime for her as well. But her humans are not asleep yet. So she'll come into my room and like get on the bed and curl up. But she'll be as far away from me as possible. And we'll have a look in her face, like in her eyes. that's clearly saying like, you are not talking about this. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. I'm going to take your warmth. That's it. Like it's a or, relationship 
or she knows that's the one time that she can manipulate the human's trust. And while you are at your most vulnerable, she can observe you and she can see like, okay, well, like, is there a sleep apnea issue? Because that's going to be a different kind of death because ultimately she's smart enough to make it look like an accident. But like when her humans go to sleep, (laughs) she has to be by them. That's like, she can't like, she has to pretend as if nothing is different in order for her plan to come to fruition. I am ruining (laughs) your life. I am so sorry. I I would say, you know, I wouldn't put it past her. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past her. She is pretty clever. She's also the kind that like, if the sunlight hits your phone just right, and now there's a light on the wall, like she's going to be distracted for 30 minutes trying to get that light. So like, she's, she's kind of dumb. I mean, I think all cats are like, there's a line where like, Okay, you're you're cute, but you're a little. Mm. Hey, <laughs> I I saw a shiny light on my ceiling yesterday because it was reflecting off of the pizza cutter that Garrett had in his hand, and I. Mm. You just like stare at it for twenty minutes. Well, Did you like try to like run up to it and hit it and then bite well, it. No, well, he, he realized. Oh. What I, what was happening before I did, and so he started like pivoting the angle of the pizza cutter so that the sparkly <laughs> reflection on the ceiling like jumped from like one corner of the ceiling to another and I was like pretty I was like having an exorcism like oh there it is no there it is no what is that what is that and then I just like I like turned around and looked at him and he looked at me and I was like am I a cat at the same exact time that he said are you a cat <laughs> So if anyone's ever wondering wondering what it's like to live with me. (laughs) So it's a lot like having a cat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I'm I'm sorry I offended you. (laughs) I also only snuggle for warmth. See? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I feel like Haley is just here to use me. And then if if she was bigger, like she would absolutely eat not just me like all of us she she wouldn't care she bigger like, like a saber tooth big or um i feel like if she was like maybe not saber tooth i feel like if she was a little bit smaller than like a mountain lion she'd be like this is this is good like i like can, a lynx yeah lynx yeah she'd be like yeah i can take you this yeah. is fine. It, yeah but she's small and so yeah. Uh, that works in our favor. Dude, I feel like the smallest, the the feistiest. Like, I knew a girl in high school who was, like, 4'11", and, like, she was always trying to fight somebody. Yeah, well, it's, uh, what is it, though she be, though she be but little, she is fierce, the Shakespeare quote. Like, she's small, but she's I, feisty. I, that quote. I fucking have so much, uh, so much, like, annoyance of, like, when we were in high school, all of the girls that would, like, put that on their AIM profile because they were, like, b- below 5'4", and I was, like, da, da, da. and then I, some of them eventually went on to get it tattooed on their bodies, and I was just, like, oh, no. like, that's, that basically was the live, laugh, love of the <laughs> early 2000s. It absolutely was. Like, I love Shakespeare so much. So whenever I'm, like, trying to find, like, uh, a Shakespeare-inspired gift for someone or something for myself, 
And the only thing I can ever find is that fucking quote on everything. I'm like, I promise you there are doper lines out there. Like we can okay. be done with this. <laughs> Let us move forward from this goddamn line. Please. Yes. Have it. Yes, I agree with you. And the other thing, why I looked so shocked and disappointed and so many other emotions when you said that it was a William Shakespeare quote is because so many people stripped it of its origin and just had the quote. And so at 31 years old, I just found out that it was from Shakespeare by you telling me that. And that just (laughs) hurts my soul. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's from Midsummer Night's Dream. Although I feel like... I feel like if we are perpetuating perpetuating stereotypes, like Billy Shakespeare's would have definitely been a brunch bitch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I we're on a completely different tangent. Uh, we'll do a different episode on Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, or if series. We do. Please. Um, one of my favorite things is like when people put him up on a pedestal. I get it. Yeah. Like I also adore him, but. So there are so many dick jokes throughout all of his plays. Like it, it was it was for the people. Like he was an actor writing yeah. for the masses. There's yep. a lot of sexual innuendos throughout. So we can we can we can bone yeah. down a little bit, you guys. Like it's fine. Yeah, he he was the like Tumblr of his time or the Reddit of his time, like or the Twitter of his time, like. That was him. How many memes do you see where it's just like culminates in like boobs on a calculator? Oh, we salute the people that were born on this day because that means that you turn 69 on 420. Like it's all like, like 69 jokes and we drug and sex and just like antics. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of like just ridiculous shenanigans. Like, covered throughout all of his plays we're gonna have to we're gonna have to come back and figure out a Shakespeare situation and figure out like what that will look like in this format put a pin in it because we it's so interesting because even though you and I have so much in common like Mm -hmm. we are very different like we come from very different backgrounds and we fir- we fall sometimes we firmly fall in very different camps and shakespeare yeah. is one of those places like i am one of those people that i was made to read it i never understood it the language the writing style never clicked with me it was like i've heard from multiple people multiple people where it's like once you get it it'll click and then you'll just understand it and it'll be easier similar similar to like learning a foreign language or learning calculus like it's just a language that you have to unlock but I have always wanted to like Shakespeare I just have never really been able to enjoy any of the writings or any of the adaptations okay question for you and you love Shakespeare I I do I question for you and I will try to keep us you know what fuck it if we tangent we tangent um (laughs) have you here we go predominantly read Shakespeare or have you predominantly watched and or heard Shakespeare read Okay, so Shakespeare and any, I would argue any, any play, um, plays are meant, especially Shakespeare, it's meant to be heard and watched. And I think, and that's like, when it comes to students and when it comes to people who are like not super familiar with it, that's not on you guys at all. Like educators need to be doing better um, because it is, it is very heavy. And even like, 
even people who studied it forever, you'll read something you're like, what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> like, oh my God. So first of all, if you're like, I don't, this is for our listeners and for you as well. If you're like, yeah. I don't, I don't know where to start with Shakespeare. Um, uh, don't be afraid to use no fear Shakespeare. Like it's yeah. super, super helpful. Uh, anybody who Wait, says what, use what? It's called no fear Shakespeare.com. No fear. Oh. And it breaks down. Uh, it basically, it translates everything yeah. into modern language and it's yeah. really helpful. And most actors will use it. Cause again, there's a lot of work. He made up a lot of words too. Yeah. Like, like very antiquated language that yeah. just hasn't, progressed with us and there are even mm. words there where people are like what the fuck like did I just yeah. say? um but I, I think it's also like and then if you watch if you watch it and or listen to it and you're still like I don't know what the fuck they're saying yeah that's again still not on you that is on the yeah. actor like they should be so specific that you know what the fuck is going on like that's yeah. their job um yeah. and I've seen some productions that are chef's kiss like yeah. so fantastic you're like I yeah I, absolutely. I saw you in an all-woman uh adaptation oh, yeah. of don't tell me fuck it was <laughs> Mc- <Nope>. ham <laughs> mcham <laughs> mcham mid henry merchant I love that of- you mushed so many together. I was hoping I am. I did not break eye contact that whole time, (laughs) hoping, hoping that you would give something away Uh, and you did not fuck. And it was none of those. No, it was Romeo and Juliet. Um, Oh fuck. It was, which is like, hello, the most basic one to get. (laughs) But you were like, nah, it's gotta be something else. Yeah. It was Romeo and Juliet. And I played the friar, uh, which was, a lot of fun and yeah. what an adventure that was. Um, yeah. And it was wow. terrifying because the entire time I was like, I fucking hope people know what I'm saying. Cause I, I have so many friends who are like, I can't get into Shakespeare. Like I just, I yeah. feel like, and it always like hurts my heart when people are like, I just, I feel like I'm not smart enough to get it. I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. I promise you, you are like, you just need to, you need to find good, good Shakespeare. Yeah. And it's hard. It can be really yeah. difficult to find it. Um, and that's a whole other conversation about how theater yeah. is inaccessible to the masses and it shouldn't be. Anyway. Whoa, that's, we are <laughs> filing away so much for just yeah. future episodes and <laughs> such like that. Um, I think also the evolution of the English language, like, yeah, if, well, if we like were able to resurrect William Shakespeare or bring him forward in a seance, which, you know, having a seance uh, is like one of my bucket list items. But, yes, we've talked about that. But, um, like, if we brought him back and we were just like, this is the language that we use now. Like, we use words like bay. <laughs> like, I'm- he would be confused. Yeah. Just like we're confused about the words he made up. And it's just like, I was watching, I told you, I was watching Gladiator last night for mm-hmm. the first time ever. And it was like ancient Roman Empire. And I, at one point, granted, I was a little stony baloney, but I, at one point, he's had Russell Crowe's character is having this like very intimate moment and he's speaking. And I'm like listening to what he's saying and reading the subtitles. And immediately my mind is just like, that's too many syllables. Like, why are you, you could cut out so many adverbs. You can cut out so, like, there are certain things that, like, you can communicate this much more effectively. And then I was like, oh, that was just, like, 
how people used to communicate, like back when language was at a different iteration. And I mean, I am a little bit nostalgic for some of the more romantic flourishes of language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also love the efficiency of, of current language and how we've like made these hybrid words or, or condensed things like uh, McCam, <laughs> Mid, Henry, these, like, Merchant. Of these like remixes. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting how much language changes and adapts. Um, and I also love like how consistent things kind of uh, remain. You know, yeah. like well, people aside found, from you know oppression of other uh, people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish that I, I we wish talked that. about that. We talked about <laughs> political cycles and cycles of just systems, and yeah, we started recording. There Sorry. Wow. I'm depressing today. It's okay. Uh, be, you got it. You look, we are living through 2020. I think yeah. it's fair. Um, but I, I do think that like kind of coming full circle back to like a lot of Shakespeare's plays have dick jokes in them. You know, yep. people have found like, I think it's like hieroglyphs where when they translate it, it's kind of like, I have a giant penis. Like it, it, you know, <laughs> we put these other uh past civilization yeah. on a really high pedestal but so, a lot of times when you break stuff down it's like yeah. people still telling Constant. dick jokes yep. It, yep. It, humans are strange creatures and dick jokes will always be funny i guess like that's Dude. just how it is uh garrett's been using this kind of like meal plan kit and they sent him uh-huh. like a snack pack so it's like a, a, a protein based like bento box of just like a snack right okay so he, and there were like nuts and um, like eggs and che- like a cheese stick and everything. And he like opened it and he came over to me and he was like, I just need you to see how my snack pack came. And in like the biggest compartment of the bento box, there are two whole eggs, hard boiled eggs with a cheese stick in between them. No. So it was a, a penis and balls. A, yeah. And Garrett was like, you know that a human person assembled this and you know that he did this, like this person did this on purpose and he just got such a chuckle out of it. And I was like, I, I don't even know how to feel in this moment. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I was, I think it was on Buzzfeed. Maybe there was like a, a post, one of those listicles, and it was like yeah. Christmas decorations that look incredibly phallic. And it's like, there's yep. no way that people decorated some of this and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And weren't like, yeah. that absolutely looks like a penis and I'm going to keep it. Like, it, <laughs> I think that's really the one commonality that we have throughout the ages. Why is it always a penis? Why can't we talk about vaginas more? Why can't we have vagina jokes? Uh, <sighs> patriarchy (laughs) Mm -hmm. i I think that's part of it i will say i think there are also some very fantastic posts where it's like here's this orange that looks like it's got a vagina like yeah that's hilarious i think i like to think that we're a little bit more comfortable with it because there's nothing like there's nothing gross or shameful about vaginas they're pretty dope uh well we think so because we're owners of them like sure uh, we each have one (laughs) i have one I'm capped at one. I don't know about you, but last time I checked, I was capped at one, but yeah. Okay. That's fair. fair. (laughs) But I don't know. It's a, it's a weapon in its own right. And we're back to pussy riot. 
Hey. It's like last episode. <laughs> We've come full circle. Bam. Which I think I think gives us a good segue to move into our topic, part two <laughs> of holiday lore from around the world. So we started in Scandinavia. We started mm-hmm. in Russia. We started in Norway, uh, Iceland. And now we're going to go, we're going to strip off some layers. We're going to go to the Mediterranean countries. We're going to go down through the Alps, through France, Belgium, and Switzerland, into Italy, into Catalonia, into Greece. And then we're going to end this episode in America, talking about the one, the only, the OG, Santa Claus. <laughs> yes! Yes! I just got so excited. I love a blowhorn. I forgot that you do that. And I love, I love that. I think no matter how much this podcast grows and no matter how much this network grows, I want us to keep using your mouth as the sound, the blow, the, the, the blowhorn sound effect. Like I never want to input, I never want to splice in an actual done that's fine yeah yeah i agree i you don't you have this on record yes so it's a binding contract yeah i think is it is it a binding contract in the state of california probably i I don't know whatever i'm making rules (laughs) you do it so much better i mean and if if at any point you get tired we can just record you doing that and then Ah. rather than splicing a clip of like an actual blowhorn we'll slice a clip of you making that sound effect nice i like it i I would like to think like after going to theater school and studying at second city that like i have some talents and if making a blowhorn noise is the one that like will get you on snl yeah then that's fine (laughs) yeah i mean i think it should I think it should definitely be part of your audition video for SNL for sure. I just go in and just make that noise and that's it. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> but, okay. Picture this, picture this, right? So you have a background. The background stays the same, right? Mm-hmm. And then you enter the frame from, is it like theater where it's like enter or is it anyway you come you come one you come from once into the frame from one side and you're in a costume like a character costume right like you're an elderly lady and you just mm-hmm. you just like and then you exit yeah and you exit yeah. the other side and then you like come in and you're a cowgirl and you're just like or whatever that would be. I don't know. <laughs> Do you want to throw characters at me and I'll just make the, <gasps> the horn noise as those characters? Okay, maybe one and then we'll save the rest for, okay. for Patreon. Oh, um, oh, man, now I need a character. Oh, okay. Uh, Santa. <laughs> it's a tough one. Does that does that work for you? And Santa's dead. <laughs> oh Lord! Good thing we're not going to talk anyway. about it. We're going to France first, France, Belgium, and Switzerland. Which I kind of wish I was there right now when we weren't in a pandemic. And I was. I'm not a skier. I'd like to be in a cabin with a fire and chocolate and mm-hmm. um. But I, I'd rather be there than here at home. Yeah. Um, but they have a legend, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't speak French. Pierre Foutard. I Foutard. 
Futard. Oh, dear. Uh, anyone no. who's French who's going to listen to this, I also went a little Sandler there for a second. Any Or Carrie. I went a little Jim Carrey with that. Um, if anyone is listening to this and speaks French, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> well, well, we'll get it there one day. I think it's... Nope. I took like four years of French in high school. It doesn't matter. That was over 10 years ago. Uh, we can... Okay, hold on. Tangent? I took Spanish in high school, and my professor, or my teacher, Mr. Hicks, I will shout him out because he was one of the best teachers I had in my whole life. He loved Shakira. Like, he was, like, he professed that he wanted to marry Shakira. And so, like, every Friday or every other Friday, he would play Shakira music videos and he would print out the lyrics to the song and pass them around. And they were always the Spanish language songs uh-huh. and you would pass around the lyrics and he'd be like, we're going to watch the video and you're going to read the part of the lyrics that she sings. And then we're going to translate it into English. And we're going to talk about like what you think she's trying to portray with like this metaphor or whatever. And then how do you think it's being portrayed in the music video or like, how are they trying to get that impact visually? And deep down, we all knew he just wanted to watch Shakira shaking her hips, singing, dancing, like loving it. But also it was just like an incredible experience and like taking a foreign language and tangibly like figuring it out Mm -hmm. in a way that is so accessible to so many people. Like, those videos were on MTV and VH1 and like even yeah. like some basic cable networks. And so it was like just really cool. Anyway, shout yeah. out Mr. Hicks. You're the shit. <laughs> and I took Spanish and I also retained nothing. But Fatard is French. I think, okay, I just pulled it up. Let me let me listen to it one more time. Ooh. Can we just have, could you just put your mic by that lady that's coming out of your Oh, did you, did you hear? I heard a little bit. I heard a little bit. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him by his English name. I like that. I'm gonna call him by his English name, uh, which is Old Man Whipper. Um, because he basically so we talked about um Bell's nickel. Yes. in Germany last episode and how he would go in lieu of Santa. So, uh, Huitar, old man whipper, he basically mm-hmm. travels with Santa Claus and they have like, kind of like oh. a good cop, bad cop shtick. They like, okay. he's like, he's like kind of Santa's enforcer. And that's why he's called old man whipper. Cause he will whip misbehaving children or give them, oh my cold, God. or, or give them both. Uh, uh, I, do, I don't have confirmation on if he whipped them first and then gave them coal or if he like gave them coal as like a foot in the door tactic to kind of be like come to me I have coal for you I whip you that's the, no <laughs> I know so and Santa would roll up to the nice kids. Oh. It was kind of like a divide and conquer, right? It wasn't just like one figure passing judgment and then justice to all of the children yeah. in the world um, that believed in him. It was like, oh, who's going to come to your house? Is it going to be Santa or is it going to be the whipper? I hate it. <laughs> 
shall we talk about his origins? He's kind of sure. kind of an anti-hero, maybe not. Okay. So is it the from most... the bowels of hell? Is that where he's from? No, I assume he's from just like a little French village at the base of the Alps, and he was just like a working man. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the most popular origin story that we have of him came out in 1150. So he goes back hella Dang. far. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was just like a normal dude, like an innkeeper or a butcher, just like a small business owner. And there were these three boys that were, came from wealthy families and he saw them and he was like, oh, they're rich. I can tell they're rich. And they were, they were passing by his shop to go to school and he basically like kidnaps them, pulls them into his place of business or his house or whatever, kills them and robs them. Uh. So that's like, like one of the stories says that like his wife helped him and they like, they basically like slice the kids throats. And then like, um, what's the, what's the word when you like take body parts apart, like decapitation, but the whole body. Like dissect them? No, like for a crime. Dexter, they talk about this on Dexter all the time. Uh, Started watching. Um, but basically like they took the kids, they killed them. They cut them up into pieces and then they made a stew out of them in order to rob them. Um, that's like, what is this? What is it? It's not dissection? Like no. dissecting them? No. Disembody? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. My The fact that we're searching this <laughs> is, I feel like, going... Dismantle. Dismembering. I said dismember. Did well, you? I said dismember, yeah. Oh, no, I said... Nope, I said disembodiment. No. I said disembody, which is when there's like a voice, like a that's, disembodied voice. That's kidding. Dismember. Oh, I thought that was like when your spirit left your body. Like, yeah, yeah. Like a really good plate of nachos and have an orgasmic experience. And my soul just like, oh, leaves my body. Yeah, that's disembodied. Dissection yeah. is closer. Disembodied. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. So. Dismembered, yes. So Whipper and his wife dismember the kids, made a story of them. Basically, what happens is then St. Nick, patron saint of children, Mm -hmm. shows up and he puts the kids back together. He brings them back to life, resurrects them, and he confronts the Whipper. And like his wife is, the Whipper's wife is always like in and out of these stories. So like some have her, some don't have her. It's like, uh she was basically like an expendable character in the, in the lore. But so St. Nick shows up and he basically like saves the kids, sends them off to like be safe and go to school. And then here's where the narrative kind of diverges, right? So in some versions, um, the whipper himself repents. He realizes what he's done is wrong. He was in over his head and he basically um, decides to pay penance by becoming St. Nick's partner. And while St. Nick is off protecting the good children and da, 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 like the whipper is going to continue to do what he did, but still feel that guilt. And so it's almost like a punishment for himself that he inflicted on himself. It's almost like Sisyphus with the stone of like, every time he gets close, he is like, it's the same behavior and he has to live with the consequences. So that's those some versions. And then the other part of it, the alternative version is that 
Um, Whipper does not apologize. He does not repent. Um, but instead, St. Nick basically forces him to become his assistant as a form of punishment, which I feel like if the Whipper didn't have a conscience or he didn't feel bad about what he did, like, wh- would it be punishment to have him go and then, like, keep doing it with the... But, like, St. Nick can control who he does it to. So it's only the yeah. bad people. Yeah, so he's still, like, he's still abusing kids, only now it's mm-hmm. not just whoever he wants. It's, like, specifically kids who mm-hmm. are, like, misbehaved throughout the year. So he, like, yep. still gets to do what he wants, though. That, yeah. I don't think that's a form of punishment. Like, why not? No. Like the other one where it was like, he did this. And well, granted also, I feel like I need to know, now we're getting into like a judicial type of space, but like, I feel like I need to know if the whipper had done it before. Cause like, if he repented and he felt bad, like giving him a little bit of a, like a, a way to pay penance is great. But like, at some point, don't you hope that he's rehabilitated and he can go on and do something else? Yeah. So it's like, I need to know his history, but like a lifetime of penance in this regard seems also excessive. Yeah. It's, it's not a complicated. Good look. Yeah. No, it's not, <laughs> but okay. We're going to lighten the mood because okay. um, eventually the whipper and his wife came to the United States in the 1930s. Oh. Do you want to hear do you want to hear the uh, United States versions of their names? No, but also okay. Moving yes. on. <laughs> no, I I just I don't. Know. Okay, I'll Hit give me. you the Hit first one. Me. The first one isn't that bad. Father okay. Flog. All right. And his wife okay. was mother. Or yeah, his wife was Mother Flog. So they were they were father and mother flog because they would flog the kids. Yeah. Still. Um, alternatively, he was Spanky. I'm assuming because he would spank kids. I don't know. And Spanky was single. Joined, I think. I feel like uh, if his name is Spanky, he's just he's joined the little rascals. Like that's. Oh, we went we went to different places with that use of little rascals my mind immediately went to like username on grinder that okay yeah <laughs> that's that's fair i guess that makes more sense same same but different Uh, where have we gone (laughs) the other thing is that in the 30s like the united states already had santa claus so Mm -hmm. they already had a figure around the holidays to tell kids like hey there's someone that you have to be held accountable for for christmas so instead spanky was used as a way to keep children behaving year round he was just a constant looming threat and Mm -hmm. um the narrative changed a little bit because originally he would either like give coal or whip the bad children or do both. And in America, yeah. it became almost like a Spartan type of punishment where it was the punishment that was doled out was fitting of the crime. So if a child lied, Spanky would come into your house and cut out your kid's tongue. And so children of this era <clears throat> just had to live in a consistent fear of oh, someone's going to come and potentially mutilate me in my sleep if I don't behave myself all year. Oh, my God. Holy. And we just came out of World War I. Like, it was a tough time for the boomers. We really did not 
treat children very well. Like, I mean, probably what, not until like maybe the eighties were mm-hmm. children really like their well being really thought of. This is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine like going to bed. You told like a small white lie. You're yeah. lying in bed, terrified that like yep. some random man is going to crawl through your window and cut your tongue out. Like yep. that's, well, we so haven't scary. come too much further, honestly, in my opinion, because yes, we're no longer threatening physical violence, but we're still using these tactics of fear and like yeah. avoiding doing something bad to dictate the way that a child behaves. Like Elf on a Shelf, Elf, Elf he's not going to come stab you in your sleep, but he's going to go snitch to the big guy that's going to give you presents or not this year. And so it's yeah. still like, instead of like this attitude of like, oh, this is the behavior we'd like you to exhibit. It's like, this is the behavior we definitely don't want you to exhibit. And we're going to put these things in place to like help navigate that. But also I say this as a non-parent with friends who are parents. And I have seen this so much and I'm sure I'll experience it on my own when I become a parent. But like eventually you get to a point where you begin to question your morals of what you are willing to stand by when your kid is throwing a tantrum that is seemingly like has no point of origin. Yeah. Like no realistic point of origin. (laughs) And you're in public and you have to run an errand. And it's like, at that point, fuck it. Like, yeah. Oh, you're going to leave him with security. Like (laughs) (laughs) I'll mouth on a shelf in your purse. Elf on the shelf's a fucking narc. Um, (laughs) I, I mean, I definitely remember, like, if I would misbehave, it, it would be, like, June, and I would be misbehaving, and my mom would be like, if you keep behaving that way, I'm going to let Santa know. And it... Yeah. I, it See, that was not how it was growing up in my household, like, or was it? I don't know. I grew up in a in a household with with my grandparents and my mother, and they were all hard hard-ass old-school Soviets. Yeah, And so it was like, there was just a a level of bluntness that they had, even when talking to children, that Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't expect that. Like, for example, that whole thing of like, which by the way, I really hope no children are listening to this podcast because (laughs) this is not an appropriate podcast for your children to be listening to. I mean, I'm not questioning your choices as a parent, but I have to put the disclaimer out there. But I remember like, you know how... As a kid, you watch these like shows and, and and movies and whatever, and there's always like the kid that's maybe around your age and like goes to school and talks to their friends and then comes home and is like, where do babies come from? And so I was like, oh, well, all of these kids on TV are asking this question. Like, I should ask this question. And it was like almost like a TikTok challenge before TikTok challenges <laughs> were a thing where I was like, oh, in all of these shows or movies or, or like all of these instances the parent gives a different answer and it's fun watching them scramble. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, let me, let me ask my mom. Like, let me ask her where babies come from and watch what kind of outlandish thing she comes up with. Realistically, I didn't know. I knew it was outlandish because of like the, the guy, like the, the laugh reel that would run on the sitcoms or whatever, but I didn't know the truth as a child. So I also didn't know like the harsh reality of the truth. And so, like, my mom came home from work, and I was like, where do babies come from? Like, all smug. And she was like, you came out of my vagina. And I was so fucking traumatized that I just 
didn't say anything the rest of the night to anyone. <laughs> and you're like, I'm never asking her another question ever again. I was like that. I regret this very much. <laughs> I think there is like, yeah, there is something to be said about like how, uh, how blunt do you get with your kids? Cause sometimes yeah. you get too blunt and sometimes the truth is just more terrifying than yeah. like, than fiction actually I yeah. would say most of the time it's more terrifying than fiction yep oh god that's yeah so Ooh. that happened I was like <laughs> and that and and that's just a snapshot to to show you a little bit of how I grew up and why I'm the way I am because <laughs> that is just one interaction in a series of my entire life so that's just Anyway, to set the tune. I, I think I think you know what? I think I'm ready to leave Spanky behind. It doesn't seem like he's followed us into 2020 quite yet. Um yeah, not the way Santa so. has. An Elfie. Yeah. Fucking Elfie on the shelfie. <laughs> Elfie on the shelfie. Uh well, I guess if we're we're popping we're popping over to uh Greece next. Yes. Um so oh. and speaking of Santa Claus, so uh this next one is um I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. I looked up pronunciation. I'm sure my brother will like hear this and make fun of me. But anyway. Uh, Wait, people listen to this podcast? I hope so. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm going to start watching what I say. That's eh, fine. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, um, you should just call like, into our line and leave us a voicemail of the correct pronunciation. That You know what? That would have been smart because my brother went to... Uh, he went to St. Nick's Greek Orthodox like school up until I think like June, almost junior high. So he yeah. took a lot of like classes. He, I don't think he knows how to really speak Greek yeah. fluently, but he, he knows enough that I could ask him and he'd be like, yeah, this is how you say it, you fucking nerd. But um, yeah. I didn't. So whoops. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, we're popping over uh, with the, I'm going to start us off with the Greek Santa Claus. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, Agios Vasilis. Um, yes. Fingers crossed that I did that some justice. Uh, yeah. So Vasilis definitely because Vasili is also a just a name for a male in the Russian culture. Oh, see, I'm learning. I learned so. So you pronounced you it right in Russian, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, for like. Reviving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Agios Vasilis, uh, he's the Greek Santa Claus. Um, and in Greece, Santa is not based off of St. Nick, uh, but he's based off huh. of St. Basil. Um, oh. it's, so he, St. Basil, like, helped shape the Christian theology. Um, he was known for caring for the weak, uh, building a hospital, dedicating um, his family's inheritance to benefit the poor and his feast Damn. day is celebrated on January 1st. So um, you grew up Russian Orthodox. I grew up Greek Orthodox. Uh, yeah. And so in Greek Orthodoxy, we do celebrate on the 24th and the 25th. Mm-hmm. That is more like you're feasting, you're going to church a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are. Uh, so it's more about like, family and religion you're celebrating um but the exchanging of gifts occurs on january 1st as the feast day of saint hmm. basil um and this is also when the greeks uh bust out the um uh the vasilopita which 
is a bread that contains a coin or a charm that's hidden in, in the dough. And the person who finds it in their slice, they're said to be the ones who are blessed with good fortune throughout the year. Um, Looking up a recipe as we speak. Oh, oh, wait, hold on. We need to take a little detour. Are you kidding me? This is not just a bread. This is, oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is a sweet yeasted egg bread scented with orange it is quite delicious i love greek cuisine it's my favorite i'll um the next time we're allowed to see each other in person i'll uh i'll make you some like spani kopida i don't know how to make i really only know how to do that in teropida so it's more like savory stuff what's the second one teropida is like a cheese pie it's basically all cheese and like Ugh. buttery flaky crust. It's really, really good, but it's also very heavy, <laughs> but it's Ugh. super delicious. Um, but that, and that like, sounds amazing. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, well, I think, I think that's like where you thrive is like the fresh farm to table, like appetizers and entrees. I don't know that I know much about Greek desserts. I, yeah, I don't, this is one of those weird things where it's like, I know a little bit, I don't think I know enough to pass by uh, in terms of Greek culture. Um, Baklava, I think is like the big one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then the other one, which I always associate more with breakfast, but I Mm -hmm. think that's just because I will eat sugar for breakfast. Um, (laughs) uh, There's also lukomadias, which are like, Mm. best way to describe it is like fried donut holes. um, Mm. that you Drizzle like honey and cinnamon over and they are, so dope. Um, Ugh, that but a lot of amazing. like a lot of Greek desserts are have more like they've got they're more honey based yeah. and like with filo dough and yeah. Well, that's so why good. the Mediterranean diet, very like the Greek diet and those kind of countries, are considered to be the most healthy by doctors. Yeah, yeah they're the most healthy, uh, especially for your heart, because it's a lot of like really good oils and. Yep. Uh, also, it's like a lot of fish, and yeah, a lot of vegetables. It's also one of the most delicious cuisines out of. <laughs> so tasty, so tasty. Uh, Okay, last thing I'll say about yes. Greek cuisine: motherfucking Greek coffee. Ooh, yeah, it is, is like a kick in yes. the face. It's so good. It's the only coffee my mom drank growing up. She had one of those special um, like carafts that you make it in. Yeah. And she would like, and I remember watching her make it. That's just how she drank all of her coffee. I remember watching her make it and being like, why are you putting coffee in that thing and then putting it on the burner? And she's like, because I don't have hot scent. (laughs) And I'm like, what? She's like, yes, you make on hot scent. And I was like, and she's like, but we are in Brooklyn. I have no hot scent. <laughs> You're like, I do what I can. Yeah, I think it's called a, a briki. Um, I think. Yes. So was I? Yeah. Yes. Was Agios Vasilis? Was he bringing people yes. like coffee and 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 baklava <laughs> and those? Fucking delicious ass donut holes. Oh, God, I keep thinking about them. No, so he, from what I can tell, he was, um, so the, going back to the uh, Vasilo Pita, the reason like the, so that is associated with um, Agios Vasilis, uh, 
because the tradition said that like he found himself in possession of a lot of valuables belonging to, to to people, but he didn't know like which position possessions belong to who. So he has a solution. He just like baked them into buns and handed them out. I was like, you get what you get. And here you go. Whoops. (gasps) You need to bring this back in its purest form. (laughs) Just like weird trinkets you find around your house. You're like, what do I do with this? Just throw those into some muffins. Mm -hmm. Give those to your friends. Let them know like there was a surprise inside. No, don't do that. (laughs) Just do you have a dental plan? Here's this muffin for you. Uh, (laughs) That's where that came from. Um, But outside of that, I think he's just known for like bringing gifts to you on the first and I love a man that brings me gifts. (laughs) Don't we all? Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, going back to the Greek coffee. uh, So at St. Nick's, uh, my brother and I and my mom, we went to St. Nick's Greek Orthodox Church in Northridge. um, Mm -hmm. Shout out to the homies. Uh, I don't know anybody's (laughs) name. It's fine. Anyway, but my brother and I used to volunteer every Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. They do a huge Greek festival, which once COVID is all like, mm-hmm. once we are back to kind of doing the thing again, you should come down, we should go. But um, oh, my, yeah. I worked at the little stand making Greek coffee. Like that was my thing. So I was like 14, like making this yeah. weird sludge. And then my brother worked at, we had like a Frappuccino station. So he worked at that one. And I yeah. was just like, what? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> it was very silly. But uh, that coffee, I think that was one of not the first coffee that I ever started drinking, but it got me into like very strong coffee. It was having that, but the first time you had it, it does really feel like you're getting punched in the face. Like it's intense. Well, you also have to like get good coffee yeah, and get like the chemistry ratios correct. Cause otherwise like if it's shitty coffee or if you like don't put enough water, like it's going to be too acidic but yeah, yeah, if you get, if you make it and it's all smooth and it's, I, so I went to Santorini and I, you know how Santorini, you have those, that cliff and those switchbacks and you, so you can either take like a, like a cable car, like a gondola type cable car from the top to the bottom of the cliff, or yeah. you can go up these switch up and down these switchbacks on donkey. Oh, <laughs> so I got up on this fucking donkey and I'm terrified because I'll tell you why the fucking switchbacks are stone. And after minutes and hours and days and weeks and years <laughs> and decades of these donkeys in their shot in um, hooves going over oh. these stones, they became so smooth and polished and no one is controlling the donkey. Like you get on it and the guy that's at the very bottom of the cliff that's like handing out donkeys just like slaps it on the ass to tell it to go. So these donkeys already know like how they need to go and there's no guardrails. There's nothing. It's literally just like you look down and it's just a sheer drop and the donkeys are when they take the switchbacks, they Uh always take the outer perimeter of the path on the turns so at at, while other donkeys whether or not they have riders are coming back down the switchbacks and so at at many points you're like on the edge 
on this animal that no one, like there's no training, there's no control and you could like slip or fall or whatever. And at the same time, there is another donkey that's coming down opposite you on the other side, brushing against your leg, like that close. And so at any point in this journey, and they're not fast, so you're it, like you're fucking on them for a while. Any at any point in this journey, you could literally die. And so I did this, and I was so depleted that when we got to the top, the first cafe we found, we went uh-huh. and we got affogatos, and so uh-huh. we got Greek coffee over Greek vanilla ice cream Ooh. with like cinnamon and spices, and yep. it was the most like that amount of like fat and sugar and caffeine just revived my soul. And I was like, you know what? I survived death. I just fucking survived death. And here's my reward is a coffee ice cream sundae. Yeah. I've, you, I feel like you deserve it at the end of that. I'm also just thinking about those donkeys, like those things, like those poor, poor creatures. Cause it's not only are they doing that, but I was like, wow, how clever are they? That if you've got writers on you who are super nervous you just mm-hmm. like no and you're just chill and you're like yeah, yeah. whatever and I, use it yeah. I don't worry about it like good lord I, yeah. yeah I would be terrified well the other <laughs> the other thing is for people that are over a certain height so like my mom is 5'11 for uh-huh. people over a certain height they just have like a, a, a spattering of full-on horses that you get on so they put they put me on a donkey which was already terrifying they put her on a full-ass horse oh man and she's like and she was like being such a mom the whole time she's like this is so much fun let me get a picture and i'm like i'm just talking to my donkey to like tell it that if it has suicidal ideations like it's it'll be it'll get better like not to not to end it this time while i'm on its back like please just make it to the top oh my god oh god that's so that's one of those things where i'm like humans do the strangest things for our own amusement like why are we we doing this why is this happening we don't have to do this yeah bro how did we get on this topic? The coffee, the coffee, the, uh, cuisine, the, coffee. the Greek, the, yep. the cake. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I'm, I'm based off of all of that. I'm curious to see where this next uh, Greek myth kind of takes us. So this next one, I'm very excited to talk about mostly because shenanigans, tomfoolery, I'm into it. So this other myth uh, still from Greece is uh, these are the Kalikanzoro. Uh, Kali- Oh my God, I'm so nervous. You got it. You fucking got it. Kill it. Kali Kansaroi, um, which these are, these little like shitheads are kind of terrifying, but I'm also like, yes. They're like gremlins. Sort of. They're like little hobgoblins um, and they feed into the myth of evil spirits. So they exist in Greece, Bulgaria, Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, and Cyprus. Checks Um, out. <laughs> All right, right. So in the Greek myth, Kalikansoroi, uh, they dwell in the center of the earth, sawing at the world tree with the hope that it will collapse along with the earth. So these little dudes are just like sawing away, hoping that they're going to cause the end of the world. Um, so absolute chaos. And then, are they taking applications? Because <laughs> it's been a hell of a year, and I feel like maybe as a as a as a species, as a civilization, we might need a clean slate. We might I mean, need a fresh start. I am kind of curious. I feel like maybe this year they've finally gotten it together and they're just really hacking through it. Um, okay. 
And so maybe they're, let's see, let's see if we come out on top this year or not, or if like, this is the year where like the Cali Council Royal like really take over. Um, Cause the way that it works is that they, so they're sawing away. And then on okay. December 25th, they're sawing through the final part of the tree and they're able to break through to the surface of the earth for, and for the next 12 days, they just absolutely like wreak havoc on mortals. Um, it's a long ass time. Wait, this happens after December 25th. Yes. So after December 25th, they're just like causing chaos. Um, here's the thing. They forget about the tree and the collapse of the world because they get so tied up and like the absolute tomfoolery and fuckery that they're causing. Um, but then what happens is on the epiphany, AKA January 26th, that's when they're just like, Oh shit, the tree. Fuck. And they like go back to find the work uh, to go back to like finish off the tree and, coll- yeah. and cause the collapse of the world. But by the time they get back, they realize that the, the world tree has healed itself. Oh, and so shit. now they have to go back to the beginning. They have to go back underground and start all over again. So basically they get like too tied up in like the absolute nonsense it's like um, a Sisyphus situation. Exactly. And it's one of those things where I'm like, at a certain point, wouldn't you guys remember? Like, okay, we made it to the surface. We've got to finish off this tree and then we can just watch the world implode. So what I'm saying is- I don't know. I, 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 I know the- Well, here's the thing. Um, I feel like they feel exactly how we feel during COVID. <laughs> we've had to quarantine. We've had yeah. to stay home and only really go out for, for at least- I've been doing this. I know you've been doing this um, of just like sticking very closely to routine and not enjoying the frivolities of life, like going to a restaurant and eating with a group of people for brunch or like going to a bar or anything like that. And so it's like, well, yeah, as soon as now that we have news of like a vaccine and, you know, the potential to increase herd immunity, like we're going to be these little fuckers and we're yeah. going to reemerge into the world. And we might be the ones to end it once we emerge out of COVID. Like <laughs> we might just, be the ones excited. that just, yeah, we're just like, our behavior is just such, it's just full of acts of deviance to the point yeah. where like, like, Rules don't matter anymore. It's going to be like the purge. <laughs> oh God, the binge, the purge, the purge. The, yes, I don't the watch those kind of movies because they scare me too much. That's fair. I don't. I don't watch them because it's like too. I love horror films, but I don't yeah. like super gory stuff. And yeah, so no thanks. Yeah, I like. I prefer like a suspense type yeah. of horror versus like a sociopathic kind of horror. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will take like demonic possession and yes. ghosts before yes. I take like a serial killer, which yes. is, I also am fascinated by true crime, but it for different reasons. I yeah. That's good. We're going to, we're going to talk about that. And it's, I feel like it's going to be triggering for me because I'm terrified of, I will, All of the things. I will do my best to to go to be as gentle as possible when we when we get to true crime. My fellow Soviet kids know, like you were raised where basically anything you did would lead at some point to death. Ugh. And so, like we were talking earlier about like parents who were like, Elfie's watching you, or like this guy's yeah. gonna come. Like 
Soviet parents year round is just like, don't do that. Why not? Because it could lead to you decapitating yourself and then you'll die. Or like, it, it was always like the next step would lead to some sort of pain or death or something. And that's just Ugh. like, yeah. And so the stronger children, this is like Soviet Darwinism, the stronger children learn to excel like through that fear, past that fear. And then other children are kind of crippled by it. Yikes. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe, oh, or, or maybe that's just my family. <laughs> <laughs> let me know let know. me know if you're a, if you're a, if you're a soviet, you're a soviet kid, kid living in america and uh you just you know don't don't really get the same freedoms as other kids just from a familial perspective jesus um yeah, so intense yeah, yeah yeah i feel like you know now that i'm 31 and i don't live at home anymore and i'm eventually will hopefully have immunity to this this uh horrible horrible virus that i will i will brunch until my face melts off <laughs> I, I do miss like a, a, a good brunch i just miss going outside do you know yeah. what I, mean? I even miss like small talk with strangers which was never my strong suit but now i'm like you know Interesting. i do miss talking to random people from time to time weird i went to target to restock on some provisions and I walked in and I knew it was going to be a shit show. It's the holiday season. It was yeah. a Saturday. Yep. Kids are everywhere. Families are everywhere. People are fed up about having to be with their kids in close quarters for much longer. And yep. I'm trying to be nice and I'm trying to stay positive and I'm like smiling at people through my mask and I'm just like trying to be cute and nice and whatever. And everyone's so fucking over it. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, here's a moment in my, in my character's narrative, right. Of my life, <laughs> the character that is self in your I life can, story. I can choose this moment to be like, Oh, everyone's feeling very stressed out. Like, yeah, I could answer with empathy and I could like continue on the path that I'm on to just like, maybe, maybe change at least one person's outlook and at least get a smile from one person. Or I can do what I did, which is immediately become as curmudgeonly <laughs> as everyone else at Target and like speed through checkout at an alt, at like an Usain Bolt level sprint. 27 miles per hour, baby. Yeah. Oh my God. That was me going through Target, having to deal with all the Scrooges. They turned me into one. Yeah. I walked in as a who and Perfect. I left a Grinch. <laughs> I think that's just like adulthood in a nutshell, you know, at a certain point you stop like being the like, yeah. eyed who, and you're like, ah, do you, okay. My dog. Yeah. Or, or maybe that's why some people have kids. It's just so they can vicariously re live Ah. their childhoods through their children. Like, cause think about it. Like a lot of people, will say, oh, yeah, I took my kid to see, like, the new Pixar movie. It was cute. But, like, when I, as a 31-year-old, I'm like, yes, I have an active prescription to Disney Plus, subscription to Disney Plus, and, yes, I watched a new Pixar movie by myself in the dark with a tub of ice cream. Like, all of a sudden, that sends connotations that I'm not in a healthy mental state. Yeah. Well, so my brother used to, like, my brother used to do that when I was little. Cause yeah. my, so my brother and I have 14 years between us. So yeah. 
when I was like six, I think I was about six years old when uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas came out. And so my yes. brother used me as like the, the excuse to take, like to see yeah. it as many times yeah. as I think we saw it in theaters yeah. probably like five times. Um, but I was the he yeah. anytime like a new kids movie came out, he was like, Yeah, we'll go see it. Cause I yeah. was a good cover for him to be able to see it, which I do think like yep. so many, so many animated films really do have some adult yeah, for themes sure. or adult jokes going through for it. Sure. And I think like, I don't know, I'm like, if you're an adult and you want to watch cartoons, like watch them. They're but great. As as an adult without children, when we had a date night, when we used to be able to go to the movies, and we saw, I forget, I think we saw like Toy Story, whatever was the last Toy Story 4. Uh-huh. Um, and so we went to the theater, and we were the only adults there without, like we were there on a date, we weren't there with kids. And immediately, <laughs> like the parents, like, Maybe it was just me overthinking it, but like immediately the parents just like all turned to us and looked at us like as if to say, you fucking traitors. How dare you? Like we had to have the guise of children to enter. (laughs) Here's the thing. Toy Story 4 was written for, like that was made for the people who were kids when Toy Story came out. Like, yeah, yeah, out of, get out of my way, kids. Like my friends and I are here to see this. Yeah. Also, I have learn more from watching all Disney and Pixar films as an adult. Like I've actually learned the motherfucking moral of the story and been like, Oh yeah, this is the decision that you have to make to try and be a good, you know, human being in the world. But when I was a kid, like you don't get that shit as a kid. Like you hope it sinks in, but like, I want to see Disney's science department. I want to see their, their, their (laughs) child psychology department. That's telling me that my kid is the one benefiting from this. (laughs) Do they, I wonder if they have that department. Maybe. I don't know. They should. Test screening. They should. I'll consult for you. Disney. Not as a, not as a, uh, not as a psychologist, or any sort of professional in that capacity, but like, <laughs> I'll just keep giving you good ideas. Hey, that's, I think Disney should be open to any and all good ideas and just yeah. like embrace it and move forward with it. This is another pitch. Please have us in the room. <laughs> we, uh, we would really thrive in a riding room. I'm just saying I have good ideas for some rides. I look, Wait, okay, guess. we're going to pause, we're going to pause the mm-hmm. gremlins mm-hmm. and all of the other ridiculous witches and logs that we're going to talk about. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, we're getting to that one. Oh, Please, dear. that's my favorite one, the pooping log. Okay, the, like, okay, uh, mm-hmm. do you feel comfortable sharing one of your ride concepts with I do. the general public? Okay. I- Yes. Okay. And here's why, because this is going on record and it will be out there in the universe and it's recorded. Yeah. So if this winds up coming to fruition, yeah. uh, I, I'm suing. Um, so. Timestamp December 6th at around 5.19 PM Pacific standard time. Uh, in the year 2020. Um, okay, okay. So one of the ideas that I've had for a long time and like, if somebody wants to start like a change.org petition or whatever, Let's do it. Um, So in Disneyland in Anaheim, California, they used to have this ride in Tomorrowland. You can still see the tracks. Um, 
they had this ride where it was kind of like you were in this like weird triangular go-kart and it would like fly around these tracks and the front wheel would pop up. It was super fun, but it always broke down. And so they eventually closed the ride, but the tracks are still up. And I think there's been talks that like, Oh, maybe they'll make like, do a throwback to the people mover um, from, I think that was in like the sixties. And so who knows what's going to happen with this Mm -hmm. thing. My pitch is that uh, for the Tron fans out there, um, they turn the tracks into a track for light cycles Mm -hmm. that it's like, everybody's riding a light cycle and you just get to fly through Tomorrowland on a light cycle. That's my pitch go make do. Uh, and then if you would give me enough money to at least pay off my student loans, that would be dope. Um, so that's, that's I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> I am, I don't understand these references. I don't, oh, what did you just I say? Don't, I support your dream because I will always support your dreams. Um, I was definitely more of like an Epcot person myself, even as a child. Um, you, you grew up on the East coast. So I grew up on the East coast. We went to yeah. Florida and we always preferred Epcot because uh-huh. I was not a ride person. Uh, but when we went to Epcot, we would essentially take a walking tour mm-hmm. through all of the different restaurants. So we would yeah. like go get crepes in France and like go get something else in like this exhibit. And so like every place we went to we would stop at the restaurant and sample a little bit of the cuisine they had and so whenever oh. we went to disney i was like oh yes fuck me up we're going on a food <laughs> adventure I, I think that well it's not as a wide range of stuff but like anytime i go to disneyland i'm absolutely like okay i am going to get a turkey like i am going to get a churro mm-hmm. i'm going i'm going there primarily for the snacks <laughs> now that i'm an adult um do you do it, the same for universal uh not really and it's not that like universal doesn't universal has some pretty good snacks but i feel like disney's are just like top tier um i listen i really love i really love those churros i know they're like 12 (laughs) dollars whatever like take my money give me this like fried cinnamon stick i'm gonna have a nice time um in this corner, <laughs> I appreciate your food court. Yeah. In this corner, we have Universal's Butterbeer. Ah, that's true. They do have Butterbeer. It's pretty good. It's so sweet, though. I think. Nah, I'm so I'm still gonna go with Disney, man. I'm huh? gonna go with Disney. Okay. I, I don't. I don't know why. I think I also grew up going to Disneyland a lot. Like I am very much like that. Like Disney. Well. I'm a Disney adult. Like I know there's a lot of people who are like, why are adults going to Disneyland? What is wrong with you? Yeah. I don't know, man. Look, I have a nice time. Whatever. The popcorn's delicious. It's just a lot of butter. It's, it's fun. Like just let people enjoy their lives. You know, hundred percent, 100%. The reason that I don't go to Disney as an adult is because of the children. Yeah, that's fair. I recommend going, like, I always try to go on, like, a Wednesday, like, middle of the week when most people are not off. So my cousin used to work at Disneyland, so he was like, Wednesdays and Thursdays are, like, your best day to go because most people are not taking those days off. So I try to go on a Wednesday. I try to go, like, during a slow season. 
which there really aren't as many as there used to be. Um, But my like perfect time was always like mid October because you've got your Halloween decorations, you've got your Halloween snacks. Yeah. Children are not around because they're all in school. You can like get in, zip through all the rides. You can like, I always like to start the day, like if I can get there at like 9am and do like breakfast there because they've got mickey waffles which are pretty dope um i love you so much right now (laughs) go through basically all the rides that you want to get through before like 4 p.m and then you can just spend the rest of the day like chilling you can watch the fireworks you can watch a parade if you want it's great you can just meander some parades every day um not every day i do think so like if you want fireworks i think that's usually like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on like, if we were going like, Oh, we want to see the fireworks. We would try to pick a day where we knew that was happening, but yeah. 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 It, I go hard when I go to Disneyland, if I'm spending almost $200 on a yeah. goddamn ticket, I'm going to get my money's worth. So, oh, it's so that. yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I remember when we went through Universal together and you protected me from all the walking dead zombies, you were just like, no, no, Stay away no. From and you were, and but before before we were even, go, even going in, you and our other friend Sarah, you were both just like yeah. as actors. You were both like they're <laughs> actors; they're not allowed to touch you. Just know that no matter how close they get, they can't touch you. And so like, yep. you you basically made yourself into a human shield for me because <laughs> again, I'm terrified of everything. But you made yourself into a human shield for me. And anytime one of the like zombie actors came, you were just like no. No. <laughs> and you like waggled your finger and then we got out of there and like that was the highlight of my day. That and us on the yeah. Harry Potter like not the rickety little roller coaster which scared me but yeah. the, um the the, the like, like 5D journey. one. Yeah, the like yeah. journey through Hogwarts where yeah. you're like in the weird yeah, that one's yeah. so fun. Except yeah. it, I think it gives everybody a migraine if you go on it like more than twice. <laughs> yeah, definitely avoid it if you have epilepsy, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, in all seriousness, like if you get really bad migraines, yeah. if you're like sensitive to motion, do not yes. go on it. You no. will have a terrible time. <laughs> what does it say about me when during the parts of where like the dementors are like coming at you and you like feel their frosty breath on your face and everything? What does it say about me where I was like, I'm home. Mama? Papa, can you hear me? Oh, we are, don't have the money for that. Are you a Nazgul, maybe? Is that I don't know what that is. It's a ring. Is that ring. another one of these tree of life? No, maybe. Oh. Uh no, Nazgul or a ring wraith from Lord of the Rings, the, the oh. spooky cloaked characters, aka Dementor, but like Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the ones on the horses. The ones on the horses that, like, hunt for the ring. That's immediately what I thought. And that's why between that and, like, the bowl of water where you can see shit in, I was like, did J.K. Rowling just, like, totally rip off everything? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Where are we? Italy. Uh, Italy Yeah, the tree has regenerated and... Yes. Basically, they yes. come back after like 12 days of fucking going wild with strippers and cocaine. And now these little <laughs> gremlins come back and they're like, wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, so the tree is regrown. Um, 
Uh, I think that was kind of the end of it. Oh, there are, okay, some some quick facts at the very end. Um, so there is also a belief that humans who were born between December 25th and January 6th become, uh, they become these little gremlins for those 12 days, which I'm just saying I'm born on January 4th. So like yes, if, I'm, if I'm acting like a chaotic hobgoblin after Christmas until the 6th, you know why. That's what's up. Um, wait, wait, do we just give you food? Do we give you strippers and cocaine? I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think for me, just give me a lot of snacks and like maybe be okay with playing board games with me where I'm like going to be the chaotic factor, which is like every day of the year. Um, oh, so you're or, like a chill version of these hobl- goblins. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to create chaos, but within certain limitations. Like I'm not going to like... Only when I'm hungry. Yeah, I do get pretty angry though. Um, well, you could also protect yourself from me. Um, so there's an, uh, there's like a, you can basically use like a shallow wooden bowl um, and you piece like, you, it's like a piece of wire uh, yeah. that's suspended between the rim and then a sprig of basil wrapped around um, like a wooden cross that hangs down from the wire. So basically you've got like a little wire situation with like yeah. a little wooden cross hanging from the wire and yeah. around the wooden cross, you put a sprig of basil and then you put that like over a wooden bowl. Um, and the, you put water in the bowl to help keep the basil alive and fresh. Um, and so once a day, somebody, usually the mother of the family is going to dip the cross and the basil into the holy water and then use it to like sprinkle water around each room of the house. And this will keep, the little hobgoblins away from you and your family. So they won't cause chaos. Um, so you just have this like little protection from them. So I guess if I'm you just, have one of those, I'll be fine. I'm just picturing, uh, what was that? Was that Euro trip or was that like a, like a Sasha Baron Cohen movie where he's like the priest or like the Pope or something. And it's just like, <laughs> and cross, cross name, cross compels you. Cross composer. Oh, I'm. Do you know what I'm talking well, you, about? You saying Cross that. Cross you. Yeah, I don't. But you saying that makes me think of. I think it's in uh, Austin Powers, where like Doctor Evil's sitting in the chair, and the chair just like keeps spinning, and he just goes, yeah. "The power of Christ compels you." Christ. <laughs> so that's all I'm thinking of. Oh um, man, I wish I could but, remember. <laughs> I bet I'm probably misremembering it, but. Whatever. You're just stealing different pieces. Like I feel like it was maybe parts. it had to have been uh, maybe it was like a Monty Python priest or something. Maybe and it was like he was talking nonsensical. Somebody maybe knows what wasn't we're even about. taking. Maybe yeah, seriously. Um, I definitely butchered this. Fucking anyway, what hobgoblers? <laughs> hobgoblers. Hobgoblers. Gobblers. Um, okay, so if I wet a cross and basil and some holy water and mm-hmm. just spritz my house with it, yes, then I'm safe. Yeah, from I you, because yes, you are one of these creatures. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. 100%. I'm just gonna. I'm, next time I see you, I'm just gonna walk up to you and like a cat with like a spray bottle just. <laughs> <laughs> You just got like dried basil in the spray bottle. You yeah. Spritz me with it. You know, that sounds like that would be very refreshing. It does. Okay like it. a face mist. Yeah. Just, uh, yes. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm yeah. going to do it. Well, unless it's filled with holy water and you really are one of these demons, because then you'll melt. I don't know. I don't really know what holy water does. It uh, to be determined. I mean, if you're yeah, a fair, vampire, fair. it's mm. supposed to melt you, right? Did I it melt? Did it? Did it melt Dracula? Dead and loving it. You know what? Best I don't Dracula movie of all time. I'm saying it right now. I'll counter with Lost Boys, and in Lost Boys, holy water absolutely destroys the, oh, the uh, vampires. Okay. So, if we're basing it off of those two films, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Our vampire lore. Uh, That's um, another episode. I so put a pin in it. Um, do we want to pop over to Italy? That yes. Am? We're going to uh, get on a little little speedboat and we're going to vroom vroom to Italy. Um, I don't know if the geography oh, of that oh, is oh, correct. Oh, <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's possible. That was incredible. Uh, La Befana. La Befana. The most stereotypical-looking witch that has ever witched. Basically, um, she's an old witch who delivers candy or fruit to good children. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. fruit used to be a gift. And and onions or coal to misbehaving children. So, um, basically, her origin story comes from Jesus. And it was the day that Jesus was leborn. Um, there, are t- there are two origins. So okay. one is that uh, La Bufana basically had a child of her own that didn't live. And so she oh. went in search for Jesus because she was convinced. She was so distraught after her own son died that um, her son was actually Jesus. And he was being born and like... That was her son. So she traveled around, went and finally found him. And on the day of his birth, she brought him a ton of presents to basically say like, here are these gifts and these fruits and blah, blah, blah. And baby Jesus was so happy, but he was like, you ain't my mama, but Mm -hmm. I'll make you the mama of all the children in Italy, which, you know, if you're a newborn, Mm -hmm. that seems like, you're already in a, in an advanced kind of language group that you're able to communicate to this woman Yeah, that like, Oh, I, I'm not your child, but you know, you can be the mom of everyone, but me in Italy, <laughs> everybody else sans me. And then he just like peaced out break dance, B-boy style, just like that nineties meme of dancing baby. No, we've brought it back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> a very good place to start that's a really tragic one of like yeah her child and yeah man it's heavy the second origin story is actually the most common um but it it tickled me a little bit more it's a little bit more more of an upper maybe um essentially so the alabafana was basically this like very very specific person about how she wanted her house to look so she was always literally cleaning her house cleaning her house making sure that it was like an acceptable space for people to come and so the three wise men were actually passing through town where her house is going to see jesus and they stopped at her house they asked her for directions like hey there's a really important baby that's about to be born i don't know if you've heard Mm -hmm. his name's jesus like do you happen to know like we're three wise men but we're not wise enough to like 
read a map. So can you tell us where to go? And so she's like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. So instead she's like, but you know what? It's late. Like come hang out of my house. You can stay here. I'll put you up. And then, you know, as early as you want, you can get up and go and find Jesus. So they did. And they were like, oh, she keeps things very clean. And so then they like slept, got up in the morning, left, went to go get Jesus. And Bafana is obviously like cleaning again. And then she like stops mid-sweep. I assume I wasn't there. And she was probably just like, oh, you know what? I kind of want to see baby Jesus too. Like if he's such a big deal, like maybe I should go Aww. tag along with those guys. And so she changes her mind and she goes to catch up with the three wise men, but she loses them and she herself gets lost. And so she just wanders around all of Christmas Eve. Um, But this is like the Christian Orthodox Christmas Eve. So it's January the 5th, Epiphany Eve. It's similar Uh to, you know, um, the, how the, um, what are they called? The little hobgoblins would come out on Epiphany. Yep. So this is Epiphany Eve and in Italy, Bafana like wandered around. And so that's why they say like on Christmas Eve in Italy, she wanders around and she shoots down people's chimneys on her broom because she's a witch, remember? Yep. And she has her beloved broom that she would always use to clean everything. So she shoots down people's chimneys to look for baby Jesus to basically be like, oh, is he in this house? Oh, is he in this house? And... <laughs> Along the way, she leaves either tricks or treats for children, depending on like, have you been good? Have you been bad? And basically, I guess for the parents to kind of be like, hey, sorry, I came down your chimney, but I got your kids off your back. So are we good? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and basically kids at this time were told that like, they may get a bop on the head. And if they do, it's from La Bafana's broomstick because she came to visit and like they were up on Christmas Eve. And so she was like, oh no, I can't be found out. Like I got to go to the next house. This kid isn't baby Jesus. Let me whack him. And this is mostly just meant to keep them in bed. But this is a very similar story to what we know about Santa Claus. And actually the origin of the whole narrative of Santa Claus coming down the chimney and like the kids have to be asleep so they don't spot him. Like all of those things, like that came from La Bafana, like that origin came from her lore that is dope i i love her (laughs) you'll notice you'll notice that like the certain stereotypes that we have for regions or countries are very much like you can tell whose lore is is from whom Mm because like up in the scandinavian countries it was like gore survival good bad evil and then you get into like the mediterranean countries and you get into italy where it's like piano piano relax enjoy <laughs> life yeah and now uh, all of a sudden the traditions are like i'm just trying to find baby jesus oh he wasn't here here have a banana i don't know if that's right have a <laughs> have a lime a lemon <laughs> stay in bed or else i'll boink you on the head with my broomstick yeah versus but like it's just like this culture of like, oh, the Mediterranean folks are just like a little more chill. And so yeah. their lore is not steeped in like death and destruction. Thank God. <laughs> and then Santa is obviously steeped in capitalism, which checks out for America. Yeah. Uh, We're not there yet. Not, not yet. Um, but before we, we go get- through Spain first. Yeah. Do we want to talk about your favorite one that you are so excited to share with me? <laughs> 
My favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So his name, we're in Catalonia in Spain. Oh. And so this figure's name is Tio de Nadal. Um, but he's also affectionately known as the pooping log. So <laughs> basically what happens is on December the 8th, there is the feast of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. And um, what uh, Catalan families will do is they will get this log, the Tio, they'll host it in their home. And the log is hollow and it's propped up on two legs. And they usually paint like a face on the end. So they'll paint like a smile and maybe some eyes on like the stumpy part. And so it kind of looks like a weird like wooden terrier that's like propped up on its front paws, but sitting down. Uh And basically what they do is every single night, the family like as a like team building experience, I guess, gives the log a little bit of more, like a few morsels of their food to eat. Uh And so they're like, oh, here log, let me share my, my food with you. And then also let me tuck you in. Let me put a blanket on you so you can stay warm. And they basically, it's like this like surrogate pet for them for this time of year. Okay. Then Christmas rolls around or maybe even Christmas Eve, different families do at different times. But basically the family then all gathers in a circle like a gang around mm-hmm. Tio, around the pooping log, and they start yelling at it. And it's like an episode of Wild and Out. They're just like yelling and insulting this <laughs> log. And they're basically telling this oh. log like, you got to poop out the gifts. Like we fed you all of these days, like all almost all month, we have been giving you food. Now it's time to poop out some like, returns on investment all right so (laughs) then this escalates right family members like start singing songs one man pulls out a guitar like in the road to el dorado um and people are just like people in the family are just like come on like let's coax some treats down and then eventually they get impatient and they start hitting the log with sticks like a pinata in order to quote speed its digestion Oh my God. (laughs) And eventually, and I haven't worked out like the engineering of this, but eventually the log drops candies, nuts, and dried fruits out of its backside. And then the family all gathers around like a pack of savages as if they didn't have family like Christmas dinner right before. And they just start like eating these dried fruits and candies. Um, However... When a head of garlic falls out or an onion, this Mm -hmm. signifies, oh, I have no more treats to give you. It's the end of the road. Please don't hit me anymore. (laughs) Please stop. I'm done pooping. Yeah. So it's kind of like a hot, like an organic holiday pinata. And honestly, if Tio doesn't have like a resurgence in like the Pinterest community, Uh I I think hope for humanity is lost. (laughs) This, I, I think this is the one that's like so far the the most uh, I, I think it's what, this one and then La Bufana or like the most fun like yep. it's the least scary you know I love the idea of people like feeding feeding yep. this log like just giving yep. it a little bit of bread with yeah. the intention that it's gonna poop out some like dried apricots later that's adorable that's also the dried fruit that I went to in my mind <laughs> Dried apricots are delicious. They are. They are. Spoken like a true Greek. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, 
Well, if you like those two, just uh-huh. wait until we get to Basque country. Basque. Okay. The Basque people um, have Olencero. Okay. So basically picture like the dad from the Wonder Years. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, like a little bit overweight, except he wears a beret and he smokes a pipe. And he's dressed like a Bosque farmer. So like think of like a tunic. So basically he's dressed like Fabio on the cover of a romance novel, but he also wears a beret and smokes a pipe like a French mime, but he looks like the dad from Wonder Years. Now just put all that together in your mind and have the nightmares of nightmares tonight. That is an image. (laughs) I personally, I'm like, that's adorable. But here so we are. Think. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. So there are a few different origin stories of this character. And even though we've so far described him to be a man, um, his main origin story is he's a giant. So he is part of this mythological oh. race of Bosque giants living in the Pyrenees. Okay. Yes. Oh, wow. So he's massive um and legend has it they basically observed this glowing cloud in the sky one day while they were up in the mountains and none of them could look at this bright light except for this very old nearly blind man and they so like these giants get this guy they're like can you look at this can you figure out like what's happening like is this light telling us that jesus oh that baby again like he's gonna be born soon like Mm. and so apparently there are some stories that say that the old man looked at the glowing light and it confirmed that Jesus was going to be born soon. And he turned around and told these giants, yeah, Jesus is coming. Fucking Christianity. They're going to ruin all of our pagan traditions. Just throw me off the cliff. I don't want to see this. Whoa. And the giants like threw him off the cliff. Wow. And then they all lost their balance and they all fell to their death except for Olencero. Wow, 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 wow. Oh my God. I say the first feature film that you and I make is this story. And we cast Will Ferrell. Yeah, I was like, is it a comedy? Is he? Oh, for sure. Oh, wow, wow. Oh, man. For sure. I just love the guy being like, I don't want to watch colonization happen. So let's yeah. just be done with it, please. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, Jesus. No yeah. pun. Int- is that a pun? That's not a pun, but oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then, Ooh. but then imagine, but then imagine this, imagine you're all in Cero, right? Uh-huh. So you just had a wise old blind dude tell you, fuck, Jesus is coming. This isn't going to be good for us. He dies. He gets thrown off by your fellow giants. And then all of your fellow giants proceed, I assume in a domino-like effect, to fall off the mountain and die. And then you're standing there and you're like, okay, well, there is a new threat to my existence. And anyone who was part of my tribe who could have supported me get through this difficult, difficult time is dead because they fell off a cliff in front of me. Man. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like this is going to turn into a revenge story or it's not going to be good. Um, well, yeah, it gets a little serial killery. I think he just kind of snaps. Um, so what the giants were supposed to do is any of these phenomena that 
acted as a form of communication in the time because people weren't yeah. writing letters. They weren't using any, so they definitely didn't have fucking DMs. And so these giants would live up high in the mountains and they would get any sort of messaging from faraway lands. They would mm-hmm. come down and then proliferate that message through the village to all the people. Okay. But since Olin Sarah just saw like a horrible message come through and everyone died, he like was like, okay, well, it's time for me to, like you said, get some revenge, some proactive revenge. So he gets into the village and instead of telling people, oh, Jesus is coming, he brings his sickle and he just starts killing everyone in this village on Christmas Eve. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh... Yep. Okay. So, so how, where does it, how does it progress from there? (laughs) Well, um, let's see. So (laughs) I'm reading my notes because I forgot. Oh, there's a Christianized version. Oh fuck. I forgot about this. This is some bullshit. So obviously that first version, exciting. Yes. Yeah, I guess. Terrifying. So the Christianized version of the story is that Olin Sarah was actually abandoned in the woods as a baby and then adopted by a woodland fairy. Uh And he grew up in this fairy's workshop and he learned to be this amazing woodworker. And so he started making little Christmas toys out of wood for the children in the village. And he would bring sacks of them Mm -hmm. and he would hand them out to the children. And the children were so happy. And basically Olin Sarah like, was happy because he made the children happy. And that's it. That's just his whole origin story. Not that like Christianity was coming, everyone died. And he then went to the village, saw all of these villagers being gluttonous and being like getting drunk and having sex. And he was just like, fuck all this shit. And he just wrecked everybody. Yeah. Those are two very different versions. It's like the, like Christians rolled up and were like, Oh we need to make ourselves look like we're in a good light. So instead yeah. he gives gifts PR. to people. Yeah. PR. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing is like some people that are practicing pagans in the country and uh-huh. like live by the, the earlier origin of like the, the death and carnage. Mm-hmm. There have been instances of like animal sacrifice or some sort of like blood sacrifice as like, okay part of a way to worship him i was unable Mm. to find is it like literally people are like killing babies or people like what are they sacrificing um because they're labeled as quote sacrifices of rebirth and so i'm like i don't know is that an animal is that a baby is that like what's happening um but that like is part of the ritual in remembering him in pagan tradition so wow born into blood and remembered in blood what a i feel like we've come full circle with with like where we started with some of the folklore just Mm -hmm. gruesome as fuck yeah oh man for sure (laughs) for sure that i told you the pooping log is the best guy the pooping log and you know uh our our witch uh la bufana yeah like those two i'm like oh this is fun yeah, yeah, nice. It's harmless. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just like murder. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, maybe. Um, so why don't we why don't we take bits and pieces of all of these things that we've talked about, put yep. them in a, a shaker, and uh, spit them out into motherfucking Santa Claus. Burr, 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 burr. 
fucking nailed it. <laughs> I've been oh waiting for that moment. So that's incredible. That is incredible. Um, do you remember? Do okay. Remember? Spo- <laughs> we don't have the money for that. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Again, I hope oh. no children are listening to this podcast, but also if they yeah. are, they got, it's time to learn. Yeah. Major spoilers ahead. Uh, if you are <laughs> unaware about Santa Claus, um, if you don't want to ruin Christmas Lex. for your kids, turn away. Lex, yes. when did you find out that Santa is fake? Yeah. So, um, I, I sort of started to piece it together a little bit as a kid. I think I was about five or six and mm-hmm. um, we were walking through, I want to say it was like Glendale Galleria or the mm-hmm. Tarzana mall. And yeah. I'm with my mom, we're walking through and we go past the, like the Santa Claus at the main entrance and yeah. you know, there's all the kids. And I think that was the one that I went and saw. And yep. then we go into like Sears and there's a Santa in there. And I was like, interesting. And then we go into JCPenney's and there's a Santa in there. And I was like, okay, hold on. And I turned to my mom and I was like, mom, um, I have a question. Why is Santa everywhere? Like, I don't think he's real if he's just all over the place. Like, that doesn't make sense. And my mom, bless her soul, uh, was just like, you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. That I have a secret for you that isn't Santa. Those are his elves. Like Santa is way too busy in the North Pole. So he's, you know, he sends his, his, some of his elves out to like work at these malls. So that way they can take like the list of things that what kids want. And then they send it to Santa. And I was like, oh my God, like that makes so much sense. Which like, what the fuck out of that? Yeah. She like, I, that's such a like sweet thing to do for a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time that then became my like argument. Anytime somebody was like, Santa's not real. If he was real, then why are there so many of them in malls? And I'd be like, well, because it's not Santa. Like it it caused me to believe in Santa for a really long time. I think I was probably like, 10 to 12 before I like really let go and it didn't go well um I wound up like being really sad about it and like cried really hard and my mom was like what is wrong and I was like Santa's not real and then what she did is like her way of kind of like breaking it to me she was like you're right like the idea of Santa the as you know him like this random man who comes through the chimney also plot twist we never had a chimney so I was was like how the hell does he get into our apartment (laughs) um and according to her he came in through the air vents which is terrifying um but anyway uh like senior (laughs) chang and we're back here (laughs) I was thinking like squeeze from the x-files um which is also terrifying uh so the way that she broke it to me is she was like no you're right Santa Claus is actually based off of Saint Nicholas who is a patron saint of children and sailors and he was known for like sacrificing himself um taking care of kids she, the version that she told me was that he had like, and I, this isn't true. I looked it up, but that he had like died in a fire, saving children from a burning orphanage or hmm. some, maybe I mushed it together, but basically yeah. like he was known as being very generous and kind hearted and sacrificing himself for the benefit of others. And like her whole thing was 
that is what you need to remember about Santa Claus and St. Mm-hmm. Nicholas is like the generosity of others. And that's what the holidays are all about. So it was like this very soft way. Wow. So like to this day as like a 32 year old woman, I'm still like, well, Santa's kind of real. Like yeah, the spirit of Santa is real. So it, thanks mom, I guess. Yeah, your mom like, nailed what? it. Your mom fucking nailed it. Yeah, she did. She did. She was really good at spinning shit to the point where you were like, "Oh, okay." Like my heart is still broken, but there's still some hope. Yeah. Uh, so, shout out. But uh, yeah, shout out. Yeah. Oh my, I'm like in awe of just the grace that she handled it. But yeah, like, yeah, I feel like I'd rather have a Saint Nick than a Santa, though. Yeah, Saint Nick is way more dope, and I think oh. less less about capitalism um oh yeah oh we'll get to that for sure yeah yeah but i know you you were looking into like where saint nick is sort of like this evolution of a bunch of these narratives like yeah he's based on odin saint nicholas the other peeps that we've mentioned yeah um yeah so basically you'll see like santa as we know him has been pulled from a lot of different folklore like the whole chimney thing was la bafana um but then also you'll see that like he was always this ethereal like elite level of species so either he was like odin he was a god or saint nicholas he was a saint um it was always like the Dutch probably had the closest to what we know as Santa Claus, which was Sinterklaas. But again, he was depicted as a bishop, but already it went from mm. St. Nick, the saint down to like a bishop. And so yeah. they're kind of humanizing him a little more. We in America jacked Sinterklaas almost directly in just in terms of name and like origin yeah. story. But then we really made a sharp, sharp left. So he <laughs> went from this like, good moral like god like from god to saint to bishop like good moral person to now he's just an average guy he's a sailor and you know he wears flannel he has a little bit of a beer belly probably looks like the dad from wonder years minus beret and like the first time that we hear, hear him explained like this um it's in the book the history of new york by washington irving from 1809 so 1809 and we're getting our first glimpses of santa claus and he's just like a lumber sexual no he's he's the lumberjack i'm the lumber sexual i still love that washington irving has given us so many legends like he gave us sleepy hollow and now he's coming in hot with santa claus damn okay add him to the list (laughs) add him to the list of saint of guests via seance (laughs) dude if we have a seance we're gonna have to do like a live episode yeah well and i will say uh so there's a lot of like theory that washington irving this is i'm going way off tangent but there's a lot of theory that like washington irving was either potentially gay and or bisexual and um william shakespeare was also believed to be bisexual so not dorian gray what's his name oscar wilde oscar wilde yeah yeah yeah. so what up, what up, fellow bisexuals, LGBTQ up in the house. So, yes, yes. when we do the seance, we'll just, I'll make sure to cuff my jeans, my sleeves, keep it, keep that, keep that bisexual energy real hot <laughs> and heavy. And maybe they'll come through, is what I'm saying. You know? I want to know what this fucker looks like. Hold on. Washington. <laughs> Washington Irving. Irving. Because I know what William Shakespeare looks like. I know what Oscar Wilde looks like. Yeah, they're like, you know. Uh, yeah. Washington Irving 
What? And Young Washington Irving. Kind of like a. What an interesting fella. He looks like Martin Freeman in his later years. Actor Martin Freeman, Bilbo Baggins yeah. in The Hobbit, or Watson in Sherlock. I'm trying to remember in like his younger years. Um, uh, he looked like Shia LaBeouf. No, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Show? Uh, yeah, I'm. my brain is short-circuiting. Um like a, Put play? a pin in it. no 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 there's oh my god there's a tv show queer as folk oh my god oh. so queer as folk there is who's the cast scott lowell lowell um who played ted if you watched queer as folk he's got kind of like a young ted like young washington irvine has like a young ted vibe is what i'm what i'm getting um, I will send you a, a photo. Please send me a photo. But also, was Queer as Folk done in England first and then we remade it in America? I believe so. I believe it Because I the... feel like I didn't watch... Oh, Charlie Hunnamunnamunnamum is in this. Bless you. What? <laughs> Charlie, the guy from Sons of Anarchy, Charlie Hunnam, is in the careers. Oh, we have a chat where you can actually send me images. Oh, okay. Yes, that actor. Okay. Now, why are all of these dudes, like, literally the same dude? They're all, like, tall, lean, and, like, there's a fluidness to them. Because in Hollywood, or are you saying, like, Washington Irving? Washington Irving, and... uh, It's the bisexual. Oscar Wilde. Is it? Okay. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Well, Washington Irving went like into a very different place with Santa Claus. So his Santa Claus was not a saint, not a bishop, not a God, not someone that is like saintly in any way. Basically his Santa is like aggressively breaking into people's houses so that he can eat their food and drink their alcohol. He's like, having premarital (laughs) sex he's having affairs he's encouraging other people to have premarital sex he's like very into any acts of sexual deviancy even public acts so like again giving us oscar wilde dorian gray vibes Uh and like this was after an america that was so strictly rooted in puritanical kind of energies and law and and moral codes and all of that yeah like washington irving was basically like here you can rebel now <laughs> or maybe he was He's chronicling free. it or maybe he was chronicling it but basically like after like once people got into areas away from that vibe and like mm-hmm. experienced more cultures it was like fuck that like i'm gonna bone i'm gonna have alcohol like i'm gonna do all these things yeah and so that was, he was kind of like Santa was this almost like counterculture icon of okay. like like he he Santa definitely fucks with some Studio Fifty Four vibes <laughs> like that is like disco Santa into it. Maybe that's why I like continued to deeply believe in Santa Claus because yeah. in my heart of hearts like glam rock the seventies like yeah let's do this. I kind of just <laughs> imagine the Santa from Family Guy. And quite frankly, that's my favorite Santa because, again, I grew up in Brooklyn. 
I'm mm-hmm. from a Soviet family. Like we just like aggressive energies. That's just like, I just love like a, uh, uh, like, yeah. and yeah. Yeah. So I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah. So basically Santa became this figure in America that was used to kind of manipulate the, the, the citizens into some sort of attitude basically. And what that means is like during the civil war, there were depictions, drawings of Santa, but his Santa suit was not red and white. It was in the print of the American flag or um, after the great depression, Santa was used as a figure to basically encourage people to shop in order to boost the economy after the depression. And so like, that's where we start seeing this, like, like Coca-Cola started using Santa in their ads in the 30s. And so you yeah. start seeing this, like, monetization off of this, this uh, character, and it turns into, like, the Macy's Parade, and, like, it turns into having mall Santas, like you were saying, and, like, this, like, commercializing of Santas and, like, really driving, like, this capitalistic thing. Yeah. Capitalism, um, baby. Yeah. So that's, like, how he's evolved, and I'm interested to see how he's going to evolve with the TikTok generation. Just, like, a sexy zaddy in a Santa suit. Oh, my God. The, the WAP dance. Oh, you know what? I'm sure. Well, wait, hold on. I think it was Jack <laughs> it Black. It exists. I think Jack Black like dressed up as Santa and did. Am I making this up? Jack Black is my celebrity crush. Well, then you're going to lose your mind. Um, when he did the the WAP in his Speedo, he's been doing it as different characters. He did it as Spider-Man. He did it just in a Speedo. I'm thinking of the Spider-Man. That's what I'm thinking okay. of. I just remember okay. seeing... Okay. It, well, I hope he does Santa. Give it time. Yeah. He'll probably do the WAP, the WAP challenge. Yes. If he doesn't, Jack, if you're listening, that's your yep. next idea. Yeah. Um, okay. I was thinking of Spider-Man. How did I mix those? Those aren't the same. <sighs> I'm like, going to find... I'm going to find a video and throw it in our stories. I'm going to like do go down a very niche <laughs> algorithmic rabbit hole on TikTok for Zaddy Wop Santas. You'll probably find it. I'm sure you will. I'm it'll be fantastic. <laughs> get ready to get spammed. <laughs> love it. I love when you spam me. It's so fun. Uh I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna okay. we're gonna we're gonna wrap up um yeah. just a little something to expect before we do um yeah next week we're going to give you an episode that is as limited on christmas as we can because there are other holidays out there that we want to focus on and and their lore and their um, belief system and bring you into this amazing cultural um vibe so that everyone's having a good unified empathetic holiday season yeah spreading kindness and joy and just and dried apricots. <laughs> and dried apricots, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, well, right. we were well, both feeling good today. Oh, wait, no, no I, I didn't tell you oh, my Santa story. That's right. Yeah, what's your Santa story? How did you find out that Santa is not, is not? Is not, is not. I confronted my mother. 
I came to this country when I was four (laughs) years old. I was four. And we in Russian culture exchanged gifts on New Year's. But my mom wanted me to like have an American upbringing. So she would give me presents from Santa on Christmas and then like presents from the family on New Year's. So every year she was like, write the letter to Santa of what you want. And like the first two years I was like, okay, great. She's like, oh, I'll go drop it in the mailbox. I'll make sure it gets to Santa. Mm -hmm. And I made a list and she got me like, or Santa got me what I wanted. And then I started just like getting exposed to like all of these TV shows again and like all of these like instances of children being told Santa isn't real or like children finding out Santa isn't real or like even a joke of like someone accidentally lets it slip and like another person punches them and then there's like a laugh reel. But <laughs> like as a child, I was like, wait, why is this a, a topic that keeps coming up? Like why? And so I went to like, I was like, I need to really be strategic about this. I'm six years old at the time. I'm like, I need to be strategic about how I handle this in case he's not real. So that year, my mom was like, don't forget, write your letter to Santa. And I whipped my hair around like that little meme of that little chubby girl with the microphone, just whipped my hair around. (laughs) And I locked eyes with my mother and I said, if he's really Santa, he'll know what I want. I don't need to write him a letter. Yikes. So I'm like, all right, if this dude is this omnipotent, like he'll know, he should know what I want. I got a, 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 um, small gift of watercolors that year, like the Crayola watercolors mm-hmm. with like that horrible brush that it comes with. And I was yep. like, at that point I was like, Santa's not real because Santa would not get me this. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> and so then the next year my mom was like don't forget to write your letter for Santa and I looked at her and I was just like I know the truth Santa's (laughs) not real you're Santa and my mom was like you're right I am no more gifts for Christmas so at at like seven years old I confronted (laughs) my mother and it totally backfired no she will she will deny that story to this day she'll be like i don't remember i don't remember that happening i don't remember but i'll be like oh i remember it stayed with me forever uh yeah i think moral of the story for that kids is when you figure out that santa's not real keep your mouth shut so you get more gifts (laughs) yeah Yeah. santa's Uh, not real you're right uh okay (laughs) did you have another thing no, I was going to say that's probably, I can go on tangents all night, but I feel like maybe we should move on to yeah. what has this feeling good for the future. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I do have something for this part and this is also in theme with this episode mm-hmm. um, and in theme with Santa. So what has me feeling good right now is, and I forget about it every year, but this year I was like, no, support USPS. Um, you can go to USPS. Uh, what is it? USPSOperationsSanta.com. And what the USPS is doing, I think they've done this for quite a while now, but when children write letters to Santa, the postal, the U S postal service will take them in, they rip them open and they see what those letters are. And a lot of times it is things like, dear Santa, can you, my, 
honestly, it is also, it can be very heartbreaking. So just warning, some of these letters are like gut-wrenching because it's like kids asking for like coats and clothing or a little bit of money to help their families for the holidays, things like that, where you're just like sweet baby angels. Um, But you can go to uspsoperationsanta.com. You can adopt a letter and you can help make a little kid's Christmas wish come true. So that's what's got me feeling good. I plan on doing it. Um, I'm hoping I can manage to do a couple of letters. So just in the spirit of the holidays and theme with this episode, um, that's, that's my thing. And that's also my plug. Check it out. See if it's something that you want to partake in. So, yeah. I'm going to cry. Also, <laughs> mine is like, oh, there's a new movie I like. <laughs> no, like I think... <laughs> I that's supporting artists though that's an incredible incredible initiative um yeah no definitely go check that out everyone that's I was sitting here listening to you and I was just like borderline about to sob (laughs) it's those letters will make you cry like uh our U.S. shout out to our USPS workers they're an elite level of human like I can't even handle like they are our community leaders without even choosing to be leaders in formal positions but they like know everyone they know where everyone lives they know what they like think about it like your mailman in your community knows like what you subscribe to what charities are reaching out to you like your bills your packages like they know so much about you just based on your habits that are so subliminal and like subconscious and they like don't snitch and they <laughs> just like are sweet and get it and like are just like men of men and women and I'm sorry, men, women, non-gender conforming. <laughs> I need help. People. people. <laughs> there are people out there doing they're things. Those people, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it like to that point. So our um our mailman, Tim, shout out Tim. Um he's I mean, he's like such a joy and my, my roommate sends a lot of packages. So she's like formed a very like good relationship with him. Like they give him snacks and things, especially when it's like hot out. Um, But uh, especially like right before the election, I mean, he was working like 17 hours a day, making sure that like mail was getting where it needed to go, making sure that mail was getting picked up, making sure that these ballots were getting in. And I know there were some, like these aren't like not every story was super heartwarming, but um, just seeing the like USPS workers out there, like doing this for their communities, for their country. Like it's in the middle of a pandemic, like Mm -hmm. good Lord. So yeah, go donate to USPS as well. Yes. Support them. What a bunch of gems. That's yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Mm. um what has me feeling good is um have you heard of this new film anthology series that steve mcqueen is doing no Mm -hmm. go on so it's called the small axe series and it's five films they're all about two hours or so in length and it's all of different stories of um West Indian immigrants in London during the 60s and 70s. And it's just like their like experiences. And it's because Steve McQueen is British. And so like, it's basically his like 
he's telling these stories of systemic racism and like these, these human stories of how people had to live in those times in this fear that was greater than just person on person. It was like, it was like a whole system and a whole machine and a whole like fully formed entity, like against people. Um, And so I think like it's, I've already watched the films that have come out. They come out one, one of them, comes out every week on Amazon Prime Video. Okay. Um, and it is, like, the first one came out November 15th. Okay. And it's just, like, so important to watch. It is obviously a hefty um, commitment time-wise, but considering the subject matter and our own history here in this country and how much yes. we can learn, like, yeah. it's not a big commitment. Like, do the work. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But basically like Steve McQueen was inspired to do this because like these were stories that got passed down like through, you know, word of mouth and through just like culture and family. And it was, he wanted to immortalize those stories um, in this medium. So, um, which I feel like we have such incredible folks that were very, very strong people in the in the civil rights movement and we've we've done something very similar where we've documented their experiences and and everything i mean not enough because we know hollywood um so i think like this is very a very powerful very important watch and it's stephen queen so it's fucking brilliant and the cast is incredible um and it's just it's just you will be sobbing like you will be sobbing because at the end of the day, it's just like human inter like our human relationships with ourselves, with the people around us, with, you know, the attitude of, of apathy, the attitude of empathy and yeah, very powerful. That sounds amazing. I'm excited to start watching these. Yeah. Well, Damn. that's it. Yeah. That Dude, is how it. long yeah. have we been talking? Uh, like over two hours, I think. Fantastic. Hey. Thank you for everyone who is still listening. Yeah, please, if you're still listening, thank you. Please correct us on any pronunciation, misspoken yep. phrases or words. Um, we're always looking to learn and grow and be more well-informed with the world around yeah. us. Um, we will be back with the final installment of our holiday folklore next week and then that'll be our last episode for 2020 we're going on hiatus through the holidays yep and uh in the interim you can follow us on instagram twitter tiktok right we're on tiktok we're on tiktok tiktok um you can email us at is it the peony podcast at gmail.com the peony podcast at gmail.com it's we're very professional (laughs) um or you can uh shit what's our phone number (laughs) <laughs> What's our phone nice. number? I'm pulling it off. I'm pulling it. Text us or leave us a voicemail at 707-892-0401. Thank you. Bye, y'all. That's a wrap. Bye. Don't need to call the dictionary and don't need to call your ass.